Aalto University Podcast. The other day I heard uh, a beautiful, beautiful presentation uh, by, by a lady that has been studying uh, intuition. And, and uh, of course, when you think about Kahneman's terminology, System 1, System 2, that we discussed uh, during our first seminar day, where System 1 is uh, your fast, autonomously generated uh, automatic thoughts. Uh, you can say that, well, isn't that pretty much how intuition operates? Because intuition generates something holistic uh, in a split second. So, so uh, it's, it's in some sense instantaneous. Now, what, what Asta has done, uh, and, and she did her PhD right here in Aalto, uh, studying intuition, has after that dissertation of hers done is that she's gone even further into the theme of intuition. It turns out that this is one of those themes that is not really covered by any one discipline. Now, when, when something is not covered by any one discipline, typically uh, you, you uh, run into problems because should it be that you want to uh, enhance your understanding, you don't have at your disposal the luxury of going to some discipline that would have devoted itself to that particular phenomenon through which you could then generate your own understanding. You, you need to basically connect things. And, and uh, particularly when it comes to a phenomenon that we are all familiar with from within, uh, with which we are uh, quite comfortable also verbally. So, so any of us can use the term intuition. But what Asta does is that she, she looks into this phenomenon, uh, not only in terms of those disciplines that have actually done research into, intu into, into intuition, but also doing something uh, that I think is uh, particularly useful, and of course open to any of us, which is that she goes and meets people of tremendous expertise in something, let's say, uh, uh, one of the best surgeons, brain surgeons, in Finland and in the world, and asks, basically, how do you do what you do? So, so if in the context of, let's say, uh, brain surgery, uh, the surgeon operates, clearly he or she is making a lot of decisions. So, so surely the person has some understanding regarding how he or she does the decisions. Also, it could be that there are things that prepare for the decisions. It could be that those preparatory steps are quite important. So, so, uh, so this is what uh, Asta has been doing. And, and uh, she came up recently with uh, this, uh, to me, quite useful conceptualization regarding the different, uh, well, uh, uh, dimensions of, uh, of intuition. 
or uh, something you could call perhaps uh, uh, those different areas of your own intuition that you might, with these words, these conceptualizations, look more closely into. I mean, there's the, something that comes somehow from your animal background. So, for instance, certain uh, a certain number of your thoughts are due to the fact that you, for instance, instinctively fear something. So when you instinctively fear something, surely this is something that often overrules what you rationally know is actually the case. So to the extent that you uh, uh, operate from your sort of instinct-based, animal-based, kind of like your, your ape intuition, so to say, it, it functions to, to, to a certain degree. Particularly if the situations are such that our ancestors in the course of hundreds of thousands of years faced and you needed to do a very quick decision there. So, so it's good to have the intuition-based, uh, the, the instinct-based intuition as part of your, your, your resources. Uh, now, of course, at the same time, it's clear that intuition of any kind can lead you to a wrong conclusion. It's, it's, uh, of course, it needs uh, something to, 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 to uh, uh, as, as a counterforce. Now, when it comes to many professional domains, many domains in life, or generally, it's, it's clear that the patterns of a given domain might not be not that intuitive if you just look at from the point of view of instinct. So, for instance, if you want to become a professional, uh, let's say, ice hockey player, you need to learn not to react like you would react on the basis of your uh, instincts. When somebody hits you from the back all of a sudden with a stick, so, so it's, it's highly counterintuitive not to react. But of course you can learn that and it can become your domain-specific intuition. So, so, uh, so what your domain-specific intuition would deliver, let's say, if you are, uh, if, if you are uh, a synchronized uh, skater of the kind we saw at the world-class level, is that, uh, for instance, uh, you learn how to smile even when the pain is incredible, you still just smile. Because uh, you, you, you've trained your intuition to, 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 to react in a particular kind of way to a particular situation. So, so uh, what some, uh, some teams have done in the case of synchronous skating, I know, is that uh, they have uh, gone into the uh, uh, into the arena that where, where the skating takes place, and and uh, you know the skaters, to where the spectators are, and 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 look at the uh, uh, the the uh, the eyes from up there, establishing sort of like points of support to the uh, uh, to where the people will be seated. Of course, you can say this is completely fictional. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But still, it could be that 
you instinctively somehow learn intuitively to believe in it. So, 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 uh, like uh, Leif Segerstam, whom I mentioned, and whom I've uh, had the honor of following from such a close range, I would say is, uh, well, I would say he's the most creative person I've followed from a close range. He's so incredibly talented. I mean, we know that talent isn't really everything because it's what you do with the talent that actually counts, but some people have special talents, like in the case of Leif, he has for music special kind of talents. For instance, he was a master class violinist before he picked up being a conductor. This means that from his point of view, I've, musicians have told me this, he typically don't really intervene that much with the violins. At the same time, the violins know that Leif can play this instrument. So it means that you know you can't pretend that you couldn't do it. So so just one look is enough to tell that hey, that's not that's not enough. Because you know that if you really push, you can still do it better. So 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 uh, instinctively you could say you can bring in that kind of domain-specific intuition, develop it, which in my case might mean, for instance, I, 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 I very often trust this sort of section. So, so, so uh, my, my feel is often that, that uh, the, the violin section uh, will follow where I'm trying to lead the, the, the symphony for. And, and it, it's not against anybody else, it's just a sort of that I find support here. It's a human being can develop his or her intuitions, of course, using the kind of um, resources that you have to that effect through your uh, system of ex experience that you can uh, uh, enrich with words, with, with turning to that, uh, uh, you could say, mysterious side of yours, where relatively small things can actually give quite a big effect. Now, uh, it's, uh, it's however the third dimension of intuition, as, uh, as Asta calls it. Uh, I, I hope you can, can you read this? Can, Mia, can you read this? Yeah, sort of barely. So, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's not that uh, big. Uh, it's, it's, it's Asta's slide. She had her name so small here that I had to sort of in, pick that bigger. Uh, uh, but I have to do the other ones as bigger uh, for for future as well. But I'm so excited about this possibility of thinking about uh, the meaningful. Even the dimension that some people might refer to as the holy. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to be religious, another thing to have particular kind of experiences and then name that experience as, let's say, experience of the holy. So, so uh, the third dimension of intuition uh, leads to this kind of... Uh, area where I think we are here trying to operate. Remember, we are not here to learn something about the patterns of some specific domain with the idea of then becoming 
more capable of dealing with that particular domain. We are here trying to, uh, uh, trying to enrich our perspective on what we are as human beings. Now, as human beings, we have capabilities to experience things. We have capabilities of using the experiences broader or, or, or less broadly, more narrowly, less, less narrowly, but the possibility is there. Uh, but, but the fact, of course, very often is that we end up using ourselves fairly narrowly. Uh, and and uh, you might say that one obvious way in which that might take place is in terms of encountering a structure somewhere, encountering a pattern somewhere, in encountering a way of acting somewhere, maybe uh, encountering a phrase, words, a concept, photo, something somewhere, and leaving it somewhere where it, you, you found it from. So it could be that Esa, that was a nice example you just showed about synchronized skating. It was quite beautiful. But I'm not interested in skating. Or a uh, nice example from ice hockey, but I'm not interested in ice hockey. So, so you can, as it were, narrow a structure to where a given example drew uh, from. But the alternative is to allow for the transferability of structures. Uh, which might amount, for instance, to the kind of uh, statement or crystallization, sort of an aphorism even, that if a structure works beautifully somewhere, maybe the same structure works at least some of the time somewhere else as well. So to the extent that I'm aware, mindful, present to another context, and I'm also aware of uh, a structure that most people don't perceive in that other context. Maybe I can enrich this context with that structure, although it wouldn't be that a big thing, but it is a big thing because most people don't think about the structure in that context. One uh, quite striking example, at least for us Finns, but I think it illustrates this, uh, this phenomenon quite well, generally came when uh, Finland, uh, Finland went uh, to the ice hockey ch championships with the idea of uh, paying particular atten attention to playing backwards. backwards. Now, in, in football, this is quite normal. Because in football, you typically can't proceed that easily. So in football, it's natural to develop your skills as a team to pass backwards. So, so passing backwards in order to go forward is quite natural in football. It's, it's not so natural in ice hockey, especially in, in Northern America. Because in Northern America, you, you, uh, the ring you use is quite small. It's, it's very, very tight a space. But in this particular case, the championship case where in Europe, it was known that the ring is pretty big. So there was potentially more space to use. So Yuka uh, Allen, the head coach, came up with this idea that we pay particular attention to possessing the puck. 
Now, if you pay particular attention to possessing the puck, it means that uh, on your way up, it could be that you realize you can't go up. But because you want to possess the puck, you need to pass it back to your other teammates, and then you proceed, <coughs> re-proceed. Re so this is transferability of structures. Now, of course, transferability structure doesn't mean that a given structure would automatically apply to another context. So, so uh, I mean, it could be that somebody thinks <coughs> in the context of, of, of making presentations, that many of us, of course, sooner or later will be in a position to make presentations. So you go in front of people and you need to uh, present something. And it could be that for you, at the metaphor of an orchestra doesn't really help. So the structure of an orchestra as applied to that context where your presentation doesn't help you for some reason. However, it could be it does help. It's, it's, uh, it, it's just that the human being has this possibility to take advantage of the experiences that you already have beyond what they concerned in that context. So you bring it to another context. And you bring it to the other context so that the context would support you more. So to the extent that the context per se objectively doesn't give you all the support you need, you might bring some in yourself. But as you bring it in, you maybe influence the context. So, so uh, uh, sometimes it would happen that my colleagues come to my lectures. Maybe typically the, the big series that takes place in the spring term, uh, Philosophy of Systematics in Finnish, of course, uh, that represents the kind of approach that we are here doing for these two days, but it's, the, it's in the lecture format. So it's three hours split into two. It might happen that one of my colleagues you know, Professor X from some subject would come, let's say, uh, for the second half. And, and, and uh, uh, very often what uh, my colleagues comment is that, you know, uh, as I, it was great to see that, you know, uh, those students, you know, many of them were extremely friendly to you. you know, there's this, this sort of warmth that they, they have towards you. It is it's really great, you know, I, I really envy you for that. Now, the fact is that I do feel warmth. So I think this is an accurate description. Now, at the same time, I, I could say that for me, it's, it's actually very important to feel warmth, to feel connectivity in order to, end, to, to enter the kind of intensity I like the lecture to have. To this effect, to me, it has been useful to greet everybody that comes to the lecture each time. Because for some reason, intuitively, instinctively, on some kind of ape level, one fears other people, even if you have met the person, you know, two weeks earlier. You know, you have good reason to believe it's the same person as he or she was two weeks ago, or one week ago, or even yesterday, but somehow it's reassuring to feel the 
the, the warmth of the hand. And, and, and it's, 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 it's just sort of amazing that that kind of a small thing can actually influence me. But it's not only that it influences me, it also influences those other people that do come to the lecture. So it, it becomes kind of a co-created something. Now, it's this kind of co-creation regarding which uh, I'd like to approach now with, um, with an example. And, and uh, th th this is going to be pretty, I hope, illuminating. Uh, also, perhaps to some extent, surprising. Uh, Tone-wise, it's going to be quite different from what we've experienced so far. Uh, now, we, uh, we looked at that uh, film clip from uh, Kill Bill by uh, Quentin Tarantino. And, and of course, uh, he's one of the most creative, I would say, directors we have in the world right now. And, and uh, of course, his uh, humor is of a particular kind because he likes to exaggerate the kind of cliches that, that Hollywood uses. So, so what we are going to do is that we are going to go into the film uh, Pulp Fiction for a moment. In the film Pulp Fiction, uh, the situation is such that uh, two guys that are hitmen that work for, uh, for a gangster uh, boss uh, by the name of Marcellus, uh, are uh, they, they, they are having uh, one of their days there every day, uh, and it, it has consisted of going to collect one particular uh, suitcase. But as they were collecting the suitcase, they were ambushed, and one guy unloaded on them from just a couple of meters away. But incredibly, the guy didn't hit either one. So miraculously, the guy who shot, shot at them missed both. It's sort of incredible, but of course, you know, it can still happen. Now, when something quite unusual, something highly improbable happens, of course, it's possible to sort of stop and start to think about the fact that, hey, this was quite improbable. And, and, and maybe look into what's valuable in this particular incident that just happened. Now, a person can, for instance, go back, in the case of Finland, in the case of uh, uh, Aalto University, uh, Otaniemi campus, would go back, let's say, to the case of uh, Nokia. You know, it was so miraculous when you think about it that uh, out of Finland, with 5.5 million people, came a challenger to Motorola. I, you know, it, it just seemed it, this is not going to work. But it did work. So, so uh, I remember I used to do in the 90s quite a lot of work with Nokians. I remember a uh, uh, meeting with some of the senior managers when uh, Nokia had become as big as Motorola. It was, they were so excited. This is incredible. Who could have believed this? And then, of course, uh, Nokia became in mobile phones bigger still, uh, the number one in the world. 
then 50% bigger than number two. It was just absolutely astonishing. Now, somebody could, of course, when seeing something that astonishing, stop and, 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 and ask himself or herself, hey, what's going on? Are there any structures here that perhaps could be transferred somewhere else? Is, is there some implications in my own case? Kind of thinking. Uh, this is the case of uh, Jules, whose face we did there. Because Jules of these two guys that have just been ambushed is, uh, is quite reflective. You know, what he has just undergone has triggered reflection. This is in, uh, in, in contrast to his friend Vincent, who experienced the exact same thing but didn't think that much about it. I mean, all kinds of things can happen. So the guys are in a car. This is after the ambush. The guys are in the car, and Jules is quite thoughtful, while Vincent isn't thoughtful. I mean, but they are having a conversation on the theme. So, so I mean, if, if your good friend is, is very reflective about something, should I continue in this, 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 this job? You know, uh, I'm, I'm having such difficulties with my uh, special man or lady. You know, you want to sort of talk with the person. He's your friend. So they're having this conversation. And in, in the back seat, there is uh, a third person. So, so let's, let's take a look at this, uh, this, this video cut. What do you make all this? Man, I don't even have an opinion. Well, you got to have an opinion. I mean, do you think that God came down from heaven and stopped him? Oh, man. Oh, man. oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck you do that? Well, I didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. Oh, man, I see some crazy-ass shit in my time, but just chill out, man. I told you it was an accident. He probably went over a bump or hey, something. Hey, the car ain't hit no motherfucking bump. Hey, look, man, I didn't, I didn't mean to shoot the son of a bitch. The gun went off. I don't know why. Well, look at this fucking mess, man. Okay, let me stop there. Now, now if you think about what we see there, uh, from, from, from the point of view of the character that uh, that, that uh, John Travolta there depicts uh, Vincent Vega uh, conceived philosophically you could say that uh, of course if you for instance uh, talk in a car with your friend in the front seat and uh, you don't come uh, to a conclusion, but there's somebody in the back seat. So you want to inquire into his position in the back seat. But being a gentleman, you want to turn to your friend in the back seat physically. But if it so happens that you happen to have a gun in your hand, so given the fact that when you turn to your, your friend in the back seat, also the gun follows. And should it be the case that the gun just unloads. If it's the case that it wasn't your intention to shoot to the head of your friend in the back seat, if this wasn't your intention, given the fact that in fact it did happen, surely there's going to be some reason why this, this still happened. So consulting your intentions, you can see it wasn't me. So what's, what's the reason why the gun went off? The gun went off, you know, well, maybe the car hit a bump or something. So it's sort of possible on some remote way immediately. I mean, it's, 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 uh, 
it's a point that Aristotle already made quite forcefully. This this point that the notion of cause is am, ambitious, ambiguous. The fact that it's ambiguous means that it can be understood in several ways. The fact that it can be understood in several ways is that you can pick up on one of the ways. And should it be that one way is particularly sort of forthcoming, maybe it's particularly sort of on the face of it plausible by some people. So some people might consider it plausible if you just claim something. So, so uh, you can easily blame somebody for for basically anything. It's it's. Uh, I mean, some people are happy to go with simple explanations. Particularly if the kind of explanations that you just come to your mind very easily. So 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 if there are let's say forest fires in California, you say why are there forest fires in California? Maybe because uh, the forests haven't been managed well in California. So, so, and in order to add even more momentum, you can say, well, maybe I met somebody who comes in a country that everybody knows has a lot of forests. Let's say the president of Finland. You met the president of Finland. So the president of Finland said, you know, we are called forest country. So, 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 uh, uh, you know, the reason why we have here in California forest fires might be because we haven't managed the forests like the Finns have. Who, who must be raking there all the time, the leaves away, because it's the leaves that sort of burn. So this, this is Vincent Vega philosophy. It's, it's, uh, it's basically philosophy that says, regarding the kind of conceptualizations we had in the first set, remember we observed that very often it's difficult to see the valuable. If the valuable cannot be attributed to some one person individually doing something that clearly caused to something. So it's difficult to see the valuable. It's difficult to see the valuable, even if there is just pretty, you could say, obviously unfolding form or pattern to be the point. It's still difficult to sort of get it that quickly. So, so uh, this means that to the extent that the phenomena that truly count are systemic in the sense that things connect with one another, meaning that you won't find simple causal, uh, 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 temporarily distanced parameters that you can assign as the reasons why something happened when A then B followed one another closely in time. So should this not be the case? Because it could be that A influences B, but B influences A. So you have this kind of uh, structures, this kind of patterns that Peter Sensi, for instance, in his famed, uh, I think justifiably famed uh, book, The Fifth Discipline, which many people consider to be the best uh, uh, and, and still the most illuminating uh, 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 introduction into some of the fundamentals of systems thinking, uh, particularly applicable to, to organization contexts. Uh, so uh, whatever the patterns, whatever the structures, whatever the modes of thinking and ways of thinking that Peter describes there in his book are 
you don't care about them. And 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 then this is because you believe in the kind of thinking where you just sort of instantaneously react to whatever happens to be the case. It could be that you can get away with it. You could say, well, how is it possible somebody can get away with it? It is in some cases possible. But there are all kinds of reasons why somebody can get away with absolutely outrageous statements. And, and, and uh, everybody knows it's not the case. Everybody knows this is false. And not only false, this is a lie. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, this uh, clip from uh, Trump, right after he was, he had just become the President of the United States, so he started at CIA headquarters, talking in front of a wall in which there are inscripted names of agents that have fallen uh, along a mission. You would expect this is probably the holiest place at, uh, at, 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 uh, in this building, but you want to speak there. And what you are doing is that you are making claims regarding something that everybody in the room knows is a lie. It wasn't the case that there were that many people there. But you can hear people laughing there, approvingly. Because this is what people tend to be. I mean, you somehow tend to go along pretty easily. And, and uh, uh, one reason why you might go along is because uh, you don't dare to think yourself. Now, of course, our situation often is such that uh, the temptation to go along whatever is the dominant, prevailing sort of uh, 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 way of thinking isn't that big. But of course, any task list suggests uh, some ways of thinking that relate to the task list, but some other thoughts don't relate to that task list. So, so to the extent that you have taken out, let's say, one full day for something, to some extent you need to justify that to some of your friends who might be surprised that you are devoting one whole day to something. Uh, in, in a sense, you could say that you would at least need some kind of uh, justification for it. Uh, but the justification often isn't forthcoming isn't, if there isn't that kind of a deliverable thing that you can point to saying that because I'm spending my Monday in this particular way, there's something that you can point to results. So, so uh, I mean, the fact is that certain things are accessible. But it just comes to people's mind very easily. So, 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 so uh, you can spend, let's say, a given Monday, uh, from the point of view of anybody you meet, uh, in a particular way, let's say, a design, design factory, if there's something that you learn from design factory during that day, that is of obvious use. But if it's just you thinking your own thoughts, I mean, you connecting more deeply with your own experiences. I mean, couldn't you have done that yesterday? Would you do that in the evening? I mean, what was his point? You could say, well, the point was uh, that as we go to lunch, we observe a sparrow. I mean, did you really need all that lecturing, all those video cuts, all that conversation in order to watch a sparrow? Somebody could react. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, what we saw there in, uh, in Vincent Vega is, is, is I mean, and Travolta depicts characters so beautifully. 
is somebody who uh, becomes irritated easily. This is, of course, good news. Uh, if you happen to be the kind of person that becomes irritated easily, if at the same time you want to blame others for whatever happens, because uh, uh, you are more creative in picking up something uh, as you are irritated to start with. So, so uh, it, it also means that you feel more distanced to anybody. I mean, somebody could have been tremendously loyal to you up until now, but because you are irritated and something goes wrong, to somebody happens to come in. So creatively, you land the case on the person. So, so, so uh, I mean, in some ways, it's astonishing, even in these uh, love relationships, how things can switch all of a sudden. It really is amazing. It's, it's, uh, but typically, what helps there is something that is negative emotionally. So. Negative emotions generally are very, very handy if you want to turn against somebody. It's, it's in, in order for you to, to feel connectivity, typically you need positive emotions of some kind to do so. And, and uh, of course, if we talk about the love relationship, you could say, but isn't that in place, love? Did you need to go to that particular very, very impressive building in which you, in front of 200 people, and there were those people that mean the most to you, you said when being asked a particular question, yes. So the idea was, and this is what you said would be the case, to love this person till time immemorial. So isn't it surprising that on a given Tuesday morning, all of a sudden it seems that love is gone? No, it's not so surprising because this is the way the human psyche, the human internal system can operate, that it switches states all of a sudden. It's not linear. So the fact that you know that you love to somebody doesn't mean that you feel the love. So it can be that, that you uh, um, just uh, activate yourself from the point of view of something one could call here the downscale register as opposed to the upscale register, uh, thought-wise, that we emphasized with the Mandela example. Find reasons become irritated, because that helps you to become inspired by the downscale register. Deny miracles. Now, of course, miracle, per se, that's just a linguistic unit. It refers to something. Now. What might be the something you want to refer to with such an expression? Well, something that is extremely unlikely could be your candidate. That it, it, it seems astonishing, given what happened previously, that the something happened afterwards. It's, it's, uh, I remember so distinctively in the 80s, in, uh, uh, even in the beginning of 90s, here in Finland, there was a lot of discussion regarding what are we capable of as a nation. And the overall point was that when it comes to engineering kind of tasks, we are often pretty good. So as a nation, we can contribute through our engineering ingenuity. But unlike, for instance, Swedes, we can't really sell to customers directly.
I mean, we are extremely strong when it comes to, let's say, building the best paper machines in the world, but they are huge, you know, it's 100 meters long process line, some kind of incredibly complex machine. I mean, you just sell maybe one of those a year. And you sell it to other experts to whom you can argue using the various technical details that this particular paper machine has. So this is where, where we are strong was our argument. But then all of a sudden you would have the most exciting consumer business in the world in our hands. You could say, isn't this sort of a miracle? Uh, I mean, at least it was something completely unprecedented. So, so uh, but it could be that you don't read even for a few pages. That being one of the uh, legacies, I like this uh, little seminar of ours to have in your case, the legacy of picking up books and reading the books for, let's say, three pages. I mean, you don't have to read the entire book. You can sort of dive into the book and let the book give you whatever it chooses to give. And, and uh, it could be a tremendous pass. And it could be a tremendous pass partly because you don't really understand what it's about. Because you're not, after all, necessarily going to an examination about the book. In most cases, this is the case. You're not going to go to an examination about a given book, which you could still read three pages from. Because it could be that it takes you somewhere from where you now are mentally. So Taleb's uh, Black Swan is a case in point. It really is in quite an unusual book, even the way it, it's, it's written. So basically, I would say anywhere you pick it, and anywhere you choose to go into, will give you something to think. Uh, and and uh, But you don't have to do it. I mean, you, you, you can sort of downplay anything that so far has been miraculous. Let's say uh, in, in, in anybody in your family, in any, anybody of, of, of your background, uh, uh, your nationality, uh, wherever you come from. And what you want to do probably is that you want to focus on the more immediate. And, and the more immediate might deliver you... Uh, quite considerable uh, benefits in terms of how something feels. So uh, clearly the fact that uh, you find such uh, joy uh, from your uh, uh, phone, that you all the time go to the phone, I mean, clearly it must give you something. Surely it's not that, that, uh, that each time you go to your phone, you get, you get something done that is important to get done. I mean, quite clearly it seems to give some kind of delight. So much so in many cases that when you go to a restaurant, you see these people with, with phones in front of them. And there is the person with whom you came to the restaurant, but both are doing it. So, so, so clearly there's some kind of immediate reward of some kind that you get. And, and, and uh, this means that, uh, you know, whatever the reward is, in the, at least it's not in the direction of something complex becoming more probably uh, uh, out as a result of you doing whatever you are, they are doing. What we know is necessary, of course, for anything that is uh, truly worthwhile in the longer run is that it requires effort. You need to push yourself to do it. 
not everything can be just cotton by by, by, by re reaching out and picking it up. Now this is a theme that Chishesh uh, Mihilai, in his uh, I, I think great book, uh, the the uh, evolving self, elaborates I think so beautifully. This 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 theme of uh, what we as human beings are capable of if we start to be heedful, if we start to cultivate, if we if we become the kind of species for those uh, more uh, deeper dimensions in us that might relate to, let's say, our capability to respect, our capabilities of being curious, our capabilities of, of, of generating trust, our capabilities of, of reaching out. These are human capabilities. But they are the kind of capabilities that Vincent Vega, in his thinking, throughout the film, doesn't want to go into. I mean, he enjoys himself as a bodily creature. In fact, so much so that, that uh, uh, people often don't observe this. But actually, uh, the most critical moments of, uh, of, of the figure Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction uh, take place when he's taking a shit. And of course, you know, anyone, any of us, of course, enjoys taking a shit. It's a great way to be a human being, taking a shit. Uh, but that's where he is when the film starts, in the cafeteria, when the, uh, uh, when the episode starts to run in the cafeteria, and this couple uh, starts to rob it, he's having a shit. Also then, uh, in, in, uh, in, in the final episode that concerns him, although it's not the last episode in the film itself, but the last episode that concerns him, uh, uh, when Butch, the boxer, come to his home to find the watch that his girlfriend had uh, left there, uh, Vincent Vega is there waiting for him in order to, uh, to kill him, Butch, because Butch has betrayed Marcellus, the boss. But while he's waiting there in that uh, quiet house, you know, he starts to feel like taking a shit. And it's not that he just goes and takes a seat quickly to, to, as a task. I mean, he wants to take the delight out of it. That being his character, so he's having a great shit there in, in the bathroom while Butch comes to the house and finds his Vincent's shotgun. So, so uh, the last, when he has the shotgun, he hears the toilet be flushed because Vincent has finally, after 20 minutes of excellent shit, come to the conclusion. And he comes out and, and, and gets killed by Butch, who now has his uh, shotgun. The last point, you don't engage in reflection, but you want to stay at the surface. And of course, this is possible. Uh, you know, there's so much you can talk about with anybody at any length on the sort of Le Big Mac kind of level. You know, you can, you, you can be curious and surprised and, and sort of delighted by the fact that in a given country, Big Mac is described with some other way as compared to how you are accustomed to doing it. So, so uh, surface discourse, I, I mean, it's possible for human beings, but for human beings also a more serious discourse is possible. Particularly if you want to uh, uh, go into what since the times of Socrates has been described as life worth living 
and the life worth living according to Socrates and, 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 and the original ancient idea of philosophy was to examine life. So uh, it's often described as the claim, and of course it's a controversial claim, it's often expressed as a claim uh, an unexamined life is not really worth living. But this is a controversial view. You can have the view that it is worth living. I mean, it's great to sort of just float on the surface. And the good news is that it's possible that you never really realize what the possibility of the alternative would have been. And this is because you have such a great time just floating on the surface. And, and obviously, uh, our lifestyle, at least at the current form as it seems to be, which might not be sustainable though, but as the current time, it seems that you can indeed float. You don't really have to go more deeply into the case of, let's say, the sparrow. I, I mean, not even other human beings. I mean, you can change, you know, your spouse. I mean, you can change anybody. So, so you don't have to take seriously even other people or even nature. You don't have to take anything seriously. You can just float on the surface. This is the Vincent Vega approach. And you can do it in such a way that it still seems also kind of charming. Which is, I think, the ingenuity in the way uh, uh, Travolta, that role there in that film, depicts. Bongs, let me stop there. Thank you very much for your concentration. This, this was, I think, beautiful. Now let's have a lunch break.